the Mindset Athlete Podcast, and I'm your host, James Roberts. I'm a two-time Paralympian and owner of James Robert Fitness, which is an online training, nutrition, and mindset coaching business. First of all, I'd like to thank Lauren Williams for suggesting this quote to the show. An athlete is a mindset. It's how you prepare, think, and execute. Not because of some elite status or physical stature. Anybody can be an athlete. By Chris Hart. And each week on the Mindset Athlete, we like to bring you inspirational athletes, a message, or experts talking about human optimization to teach you how to change your perception of your mindset and become 1% better. And on today's show, I've got Alistair McCaw. Alistair is recognized as one of the world's leading figures in human performance, team culture, and leadership. For over 25 years, he has worked with numerous Fortune 500 companies, Olympians, Grand Slam champions, NCAA colleges, and professional sports teams. An author of three best-selling books and much sought-after keynote speaker, Alistair consults and partners with sports teams and corporations around the globe, optimizing individual and group potential. Not forgetting, he also hosts his own podcast, Champion Minded, and is a former five-time world championship competitor in the sport of duathlon, as well as 29-time marathoner. So welcome on to the show, Alistair. Thanks so much for having me, James. I know it's been... um pretty difficult for both of us to align time zones and uh, and everything else but finally we do it so awesome to be here thanks well it's like the saying goes is everything that's worthwhile is worth the wait some things <laughs> yeah but yeah but it's good it's good to chat with you and finally connect so thanks for your patience i know i'm not the easiest guy to 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 track down so well i think i think because of my background i think i'm a little bit more understanding would be it people that work within the sport industry and athletes themselves because I've been there, I've done it. Mm. Um, obviously didn't have the, the luxury of, of this platform when I was an athlete per se, but be it when the media comes calling, you generally have somebody in place to, to kind of safeguard that. Yeah. Whereas I'd probably been more willing to, yeah, by all means, I don't mind talking about my story. So I do appreciate you and appreciate your time. Sure. So obviously your background before going into coaching was an athlete yourself. And obviously your, your, your bio talks about being a former five-time world champion competitor in the sport of duathlon. For people that don't know, be it what the, the actual definition of a duathlon is, what's the difference for them between a duathlon and a, and a triathlon? Basically, a duathlon is for those who can't swim or can't swim well enough. So I, I, I dibbled and dabbled in some triathlons, but I'd find myself getting so far out of the water that I'd be playing catch up for the rest of the race. And when they changed the rules in triathlon back in, good question, early 2000s, uh, to drafting, so the bikes you would, you would draft, that really took away my ability to catch because my bike and, and my run were my strong point. So I was able to, because it was in time trialing, so you couldn't draft. So anyone that doesn't know what drafting is, it's where you're allowed to sit behind the other wheel of, of the other person, which gives you an advantage because your work rate is 20, 25% less because of the, 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 the wind draft factor. 
so when they so when they changed triathlon to drafting legal that you were allowed to sit uh, obviously the guys that would get out the water ahead of me would form a pack and work together and you'd be by yourself or you'd be by you know a few scattered guys at the back and it was just impossible so i decided to take up duathlon which is just running bike run uh, so, for example, Olympic distance was a 10-kilometer run, a 40-kilometer bike, a 5-kilometer run, which was uh, related to the, the triathlon Olympic distance of 1,500-meter swim, 40K bike, 10K run. So it, they both uh, – the winning times will usually be similar. They're around about just under two hours for both of them. So took up duathlon, uh, strengths in running and cycling – um, I was the South African junior under 16 champion on the road in a five kilometers. So I had good running pedigree. My mother was a, an Olympic trialist uh, growing up in Northern Ireland. Um, so she comp- uh, competed for Northern Ireland in Great Britain. Um, so, uh, yeah, that's where the running came from. And then uh, when I was 18, I got selected for the national team duathlon and um, went on to race two junior world championships and five senior world championships. So I had a really good career, very thankful, little injuries. Um, so, yeah. But wouldn't you argue, Alistair, that obviously the, you're coming from a pedigree of, of running, be it, you know, the, the, the mainstays of, of those sports, be it swimming, cycling and rowing, would they say, kind of look down upon triathletes and duathletes and say, well, you're only going into that that sport because you're weaker in that key event. Yeah, yeah, you'd have that at times. Um, uh, you know that, that duathlon is only a sport without uh, for those who can't swim. But you know what? I was passionate about it, and it doesn't matter what you do. Uh, be it, um, it doesn't matter what you choose to do. If it's something that lights the fire w- within you and excites you, and you love the tribe that's around it, you know, you know as well as a as a former world-class athlete as well as um, you love to be around that environment. You love to be around those people. You love to compete. You love the smell of competition, you know, when you get there. It was the same for me. So it could have been anything, uh, you know, it could have been any sport as long as it just ignited something within, you, you know, before we, we went on this, um, on this podcast or, or should, on, on this video here, we were talking about having the passion, having the hunger, to do something or having the purpose was what we spoke about. Um, so I had a greater purpose as well. And that's why I enjoyed doing it. But yes, we, we did sometimes get uh, mocked about being a sport of uh, people who can't swim, so to say. <laughs> and is that in terms of the, the purpose that you talk about, Alistair, for you personally, is that why you've gone transfer from sport and to go into obviously performance coaching? Yeah, well, here's, here's the thing, James, is that my purpose back then, not knowing that it was my purpose, was um, fame, um, medals, uh, being recognized. Uh, that was, you know, purpose, purpose your, your, is your greater reason why you do something. So I was young. Um, my, my purpose was getting recognized, getting medals. It was more external. Um, maturing, growing up a little bit my purpose has obviously changed. And through the medium of coaching and leadership, it's now serving others. My purpose is to, is to share um, the knowledge that I've learned and the information and the experience and the mistakes I've made. That's now my purpose is something completely different is through coaching and leadership. We're able to do that. We're, like you're doing right now, we're sharing these things on a platform for other people to learn from that. That is probably, 
I would guess part of your purpose as well. It's part of my purpose. But back then, of course, um, you know, from a young kid's age, I want to be a champion, could see myself standing on the podium, um, you know, just imagining TV crews around, you know, it was all very external back then, very ego, ego driven back then. So, you know, your purpose, you know, one of the things I, I wrote about in my new book coming out is that your purpose can evolve. Your purpose can change with, with the way you mature and your new experiences in your life. And, and then you go, you know what? My reason for doing this is, is not what it was. You know, it, it's now changed. And so your purpose evolves. But do you think, generally speaking, be it even athletes themselves, don't think of that of, it, you know, it's, it's kind of a fixed mindset in terms of my purpose cannot change because at the end of the day, I'm still the same individual. Absolutely not. Like I said, through past experiences, through um, current events, through people you meet, through things you learn about, that can change your reason for, for, for doing something. Um, I'm going to give you an example. So I'm not going to name names, but I had an athlete come to me who um, wanted to compete in the 26, uh, 2016 Olympics, I think it was. And she had already been to two Olympics, track runner, and she was, it was the year before, so it was 2015. She was struggling to find motivation, struggling to find that passion, that hunger to do it anymore. What, you know, another track session, another, another injury, another, you know, more traveling. You know, you know as well when you, you know, after eight, ten years, you love what you do, but all these things start to, you know, build up and the tiredness and the fatigue and so on and so forth because you've given it all you've had for all those years. So, um, but she was struggling with motivation and, you know, people would say to her, well, you've only got nine months to go. Well, you've only got eight months to go. And that's a long time when every single day is groundhog day. It's repetition, repetition, get up early, go train, cold weather, hot weather, don't care. You go and train. And, you know, I asked her, what is your purpose? And she like looked at me as if to go, well, what do you mean? So, well, she said, my purpose is, um, uh, to win uh, state state championships, to win uh, to run a certain time. I said, no, those are your goals. You've been setting goals all your life. What is your purpose? Your deeper reason for doing this. Anyway, cut a long story short. She comes back a week later. She says, Alistair, I found my purpose. Great. She says, I've been suffering from a illness, which obviously I won't, won't go into here, but I've been suffering from an illness. And I feel it's time to open up about it. And as we've seen, James, in the past few months and years, more people are opening up about mental, mental health, um, me, me included. I suffered from severe depression as well. Um, so, you know, she said, I found my purpose. And through my illness, I'm going to start a foundation and have a nonprofit organization where I'm going to encourage other athletes and people who are suffering from the same thing because it's an illness that a lot of people have in sports that they keep quiet about, especially men, because we're supposed to be tough. We're supposed to have this image that everything's okay. I'm tough. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll do it myself. Um, me included. I was in that frame of mind as well. You need people. You need people. If I can just put that in. So she found her purpose. She got excited about setting up the foundation, a website, getting the right people it, at the same time of training, and working hard and cut a long story short, she reached the, she, she um, qualified, had a good Olympics, 
uh, almost meddled. And that's what, that's what gave her that motivation. She found her greater purpose. And today, three years later, she's still running the foundation amongst other things. And it was, she said it's the best thing she did. But do you think this is what's bad with athletes be, you know, like brushing things under the carpet? And, I, and obviously I, I, I won't shy away from it either because I suffered with it as well. Do you think because it's, they don't deal with it in the moment. It's like, oh, I'll brush it under the carpet. I'll deal with whatever, whatever anguish it is when I retire and it will, it'll, it'll, it'll come to a head then. And obviously that's always going to magnify. You see, um, the big factor to not wanting help is ego. Uh, and our ego screams that we can do it ourselves. Um, another thing can be guilt. I don't want to burden other people with my, my problems, my issues, for example. So those are part of, you know, when I look back now, those are probably the two main reasons why I didn't seek help, help earlier until it got to a stage where I needed help. And it doesn't matter what you're going through, be it addiction, be it depression, be it whatever it may be, you need to reach out at the end of the day you, you, or, or as, as soon as possible, you need to reach out. So I would say at the beginning it was my ego that was saying, you know, um, I'm strong enough to do this by myself. I don't need to burden other people. I'll get through this. Tomorrow will be a better day. And, um, you know, you, you, you definitely need the help. Also, our upbringing. How were we brought up? Were you brought up predominantly in a, you know, in a, in a family where you didn't talk about your problems? Um, you know you were loved, but love wasn't spoken uh, enough a lot uh, in, in the family home, for example. So these, these can be things that can, can trigger and be a result later on in life why you don't seek, seek help because you've been told to, to, to toughen up, to be a man, to you know, get on with it a instead of you know, having that platform to talk about it. And you know, that's what I encourage today is that you, we need to talk more about these things. Because we all are going through something, James. You know it too. No matter what stage of your life you're going, going through or in, we're all going through something. There is no one that has it all together. And, you know, sometimes if you were just to pause and look at the problems of some other people, you'd probably say, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll keep mine. You know, because, you know, I've heard of some stories and been with some athletes where I would not want to swap my problems with, them, with theirs. But do you think also, and obviously I, I don't mind disclosing mine, but I had a loving, supportive family. I had uh, no problems opening up about my feelings as a young child. But can for some people, and I say this is me, obviously, to the forefront, can sport be the precursor of, of the issue? Because obviously sport, you're kind of instinctively told you must mask your true identity. You must kind of, you, you don't want to give any way to the competition so they can utilize that. Yeah, absolutely. And especially again, you go back to, to men, uh, guys, we're, we're more the, vic the victims of that. If I can say, instead of being the victors of that, of, of saying, you know, it's okay to show weakness. It's okay to, to cry. It's okay to feel um, vulnerable. You know, for me today, vulner vulnerability is the new strength, James. Um, is we've also found that it's a great way because I work with lots of teams and I do leadership is the way to trust and the way to um, togetherness is through vulnerability of being able to able to talk about it uh, of being able to say you know what I'm struggling with this right now I'm really you know battling with this right now so 
to answer your question, it, it, it's not just sport, James. You know, you can be in any industry. You can be in entertainment. You can be in, um, in, in anything for that matter. It all comes down to a human need and, and a human need to talk about things. And, and yes, sport, you're in the spotlight. There's a lot of ego there involved as well. There's, you know, fame, if you like, or you're on TV or you're in magazines or you're in websites or whatever, and that feels good. But, um, you know, that, that can trigger some of those things of, of wanting to portray a very strong persona. But I think today's athlete, we see they're, they're coming out more and they're talking more about their, their challenges, which is, which is refreshing. But what you'd probably agree with, Alistair, is, well, you know, magazines, television, websites, that's not real empathy. That's not real love. That's not real pride. I think be it when I actually talk about my purpose, why I started out on my journey was, I think it was to make myself proud and I would to make my family. Anything outside of that, I didn't care. And I think probably as, as I talked to you off, off, off the recording is I'd lost sight of that. It was everything on the external became more important. Mm. You see, and that was, that was probably your drive as well. You know, you wanted to, to make your family proud and those closest to you as well. But, you know, you put it there first that it was, you were the, you were the driver of this. You were, you know, you had a choice. Do you want to do this or not? So it was something within yourself you wanted to achieve. So, you know, like, like we just said at the beginning of the recording, um, in my younger years, it was more external. Now my purpose has changed to more um, internal of being, trying to be a better person, um, trying to inspire others to be better as well. And, you know, I want to put this out right now. I don't get it right all the time. I wake up like anybody else with, with, with challenges. Um, you know, I portray a, a, an image of positivity and, and inspiring because I don't want to, you know, you know how it is. You don't want to be on a Twitter feed or, or a Facebook friend with somebody where it's negativity, it's gloom, it's doom. And, and then some people can say, well, you know, that's, that, that, that's life. You know, you only just put your highlights on. No, there's another way to share your, your, your struggles and, you know, use it through a way of inspiring, not woe is me, pity is me. I'm going to make everybody feel terrible about what I'm going to put up now. I'm looking for attention, for example. But, um, you know, it's, it's a good vulnerability is sharing your, your problems, but also sharing, you know, if you can, to inspire other solutions. Um, like I just did now and saying, okay, I, I struggled with this and I seeked help. I left it too long, I think, but I, I eventually had to seek help. I wish I'd done that earlier. But do you, do you think from that basis uh, of, of waiting, I won't call it too late, but obviously when it becomes a problem, it is generally too late. Why do people not seek to be proactive, and especially athletes, because you're going to be proactive with an injury. You're going to be proactive with decision makings when you get beaten, especially in a sports team. You're going to look to rectify that mistake hmm. before it gets Again. magnified. Again, it's those two things, James, going back to them. Our ego and we don't want to burden, we don't want to burden people. We, we, you know, we don't want to, um, you know, put, put something onto them because they've maybe got a lot, uh, enough going on in their own life. So it's those, it's those two things. And of course, I might as well add a third, shame as well, you know, of, of feeling shame about it where, where there shouldn't be shame about it. And, and you know, here you are probably worrying about those one or two critics or those people that are going to go, see, told you so. You know, 
you're always going to have critics. You're always going to have haters. You're always going to have jealous people out there. You're always going to, and that's life. That's life. Ignore those people. They bring nothing to your life. Focus on the people that, that give your energy, that, that, that push you to be better, that challenge you, that tell you the truth. And, you know, people that mean the best for you at the end of the day. Are they going to be there? At the, and, and, you know, I see this a lot in sports is that there's a lot of people around you when things are good and when you're at the Olympics or Paralympics or wherever you might be. And then once you retire or once you finish or you're no longer the, the flavor of the day, where are those people? Where are those phone calls? Where are those texts? Right? Where are those people? And were they just people that just needed you for something at that time? So you were convenient. So you were their, their friend or, or whatever it may be. Um, or are they people where long after the glory days are over and the competing days are over that they're still there? Maybe not as often, but they shoot you a message on Christmas Day or on your birthday or just randomly and say, hey, James, what's up? How's things? And you haven't heard from the person in six months or a year. That's cool. That's cool. That's fine. You know, we've all got busy lives and so on, but those are special things, right? James is when you just get out of the blue, a message from somebody that you maybe spoke to a year ago and they'd say, Hey, how's things? And we can do those things. You know, each morning I have, I have a routine in the morning. And one of the things in my routine is called thoughtfulness and it's improved my relationships and it's improved my connections with people because when you're on the road a lot, it's hard to form good friendships and relationships because you're always away. And some of your friends give up on you because you know, what's the point of calling Alistair? He's never, he's never here. So what's the point of calling James? He's always on the road. So they give up on you in a way where I, I can't blame them because you're always away and the answer is always no. But, you know, just, I don't know where I was going with this to be on, honest, but uh, I got a little bit sidetracked. What was the question again? <laughs> I can often do this. But yeah, I can't, no. I can't remember myself, so I'll leave this in. <laughs> yeah, that was a trick funny. question to see if see if you were listening. So no, at the end of the day is, and I think this is what we were talking about was you'll know who the people are that matter when things aren't going well. I think that's the best way to sum it up. But do you think, in terms of that, obviously coming from uh, being thoughtful, do you think? it can go both ways in terms of the athlete utilizing be it the coach, uh, their teammates yeah. for that purpose. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's yeah. I mean, and, and I've experienced that as well is that you were just there for, you know, there's, there's three types of people you'll meet in your life, James. One is there for a reason. Uh, some will be there for a season and some are there for a lifetime. And usually they say um, people that have been in your life for more than, I think it was seven or eight years consistently will be there for, most will be there for the rest of your life. And like I said, it doesn't necessarily have to be on a daily basis, but it could be a, a, a text once every six months or a year where they're just saying, hey, Merry Christmas or Happy Birthday, or they hear that something's happened in your family or whatever it may be, and they send that message and just say, hey, you know what? I'm thinking of you. That's thoughtfulness. Getting back, and that's, I think, what, what, our, what our subject was on the last question was, 
Um, I, I have this thing called thoughtfulness in the morning where I intentionally spend a little bit of time thinking about others, thinking who might need a text that day uh, of encouragement, thinking of someone who's maybe competing that day, thinking of someone who's, whose mother or someone in the family is ill, for example, and just saying, hey, thinking of you today. I intentionally do that in the morning. I set aside time in the morning to do that because it's a crucial part of, of, of your life is building relationships and showing others you care. But is that a learned or a taught um, skill? Because obviously your upbringing is going to have some, some impact on that. As Not really. Not really. It, it was obviously through the things I've learned through, through my life and, and diving deeper into emotional intelligence, um, reading a lot more, working on myself to become a better person. That, that's an ongoing journey. Uh, you never arrive there, I don't think. I just try and be a, as cliche as it sounds, a better person than I was yesterday. But that really is the goal at the end of the day. I, like I said, I make mistakes. I say things I regret. I do things I, I, I might regret. We're human. You know, don't beat yourself up about that. It's okay. You know, you know we all make mistakes and, and that's life. But, um, you know, just keep on the good path. Just be good to yourself. That's the most important thing. We're so good at beating ourselves up about things. But you need, you need to become your, your greatest fan. And, you know, we were talking about this as well just off the, the recording is that here in America, um, of course, there's, there's, there's people that are arrogant. That's all over the world. But one of the big differences here, and I hope I don't um, make an enemy of the British people because I was born in Northern Ireland myself. I'm a Brit myself. But, and I love going back there. I've actually just come back from, from Liverpool and Manchester just two weeks ago. But is in our environment in the United States, we are okay with promoting our own brand. We're okay with putting ourselves out there. Here you don't get people saying, who do you think you are? Or, oh, look at him, look at her. They're like putting themselves out on Twitter. They're thinking they're the greatest thing. Well, here's the thing, James. If you don't do it, no one will do it. And what's wrong with thinking a lot about yourself. Not that doesn't mean excluding others, but working on yourself, being making yourself better for other people around you. Now, stay humble, have humility. You can still be confident. You know, there's like an inner confidence, a quiet confidence, for example. But something I've found living in Europe and the UK is that they're very quick to put you down. They're very quick to, they're very quick to say, "Who do you think you are?" Or, or, oh, you really, you think, you think you're going to be able to do that, for example? Those are usually the people that are the most scared that you're going to do it, James, is when you put yourself out there and say, I'm going to be the first person that does this or that, or I'm going to build um, a platform or a company or a podcast or whatever it is, and, and then other people are going, yeah, good luck with that. Again, you don't need those people, but you are your brand. You are James Roberts. I am Alistair McCaw. You are whoever's listening and watching this right now. Don't be afraid to put yourself out there. Do it in a humble, humble and, and, and with humility as well. But prom promote yourself. You are your brand. If, if you don't do it, no one else is going to do it. And you know what? Someone else is going to get that opportunity. Someone else is going to get that job. Someone else is going to have that website before you have that website. That's how it works.
But do you do you think Alastair? This you might you might think contrary to this. Do you think an element of self? What's the word I was going to use? Oh, I can't think of what it was in terms of it's completely gone. Being absorbed with yourself, being yeah, as in using that because it's got you to so far within your sporting way, but obviously don't be too so self-absorbed in terms of making it too far, and it's just about you, and you could care less about it. Here's Do you the thing. think that's one Sorry. component you could obviously take from sport to utilize in everyday life, as long as you don't let your head get too big? Absolutely. You know what? You have worked your tail off to be where you are today. You have put hours, and I don't like to use the word sacrifice, but you've made hard choices. You've been away from home over birthdays, over your, over your parents' uh, birthdays, anniversaries, Christmas, wherever it may be. You've made hard choices to get to where you are today. You became a, 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 you've done, I think, two Paralympics, and you've competed for Great Britain. That's huge. That's a big thing. You should be proud of it. You've worked hard of it. Now, that doesn't mean you have to go out there and go, hey, look at me. Look at me, everybody. Here's my list of achievements, and this is what I've done. No. It's okay to have that in your bio. It's okay to talk about your experiences because people need to hear them out there. That's not bragging. Now, bragging is saying, look at me. Look what I've done. I'm better than you. I can, you know, which there's a lot of out there in social media, there's a lot of that as well where the first thing I just do is just block, delete, no thank you, you know. Um, but there's a way of doing it, James. Of Because here, here's the thing. The human, the human species is a very judgmental species. So w- when someone gives you advice, what's the first thing you're thinking? First thing you're thinking is, who is this person? What have they done? Should I take their advice by, have they been to where I want to go? Right? Those are like some of the things we're going through ahead. That's, that's judging in a way, but that's normal. We, we think about it like, should I take the advice from this person? Have they been to where I want to go? Have they experienced what, what, you know, what I'm experiencing right now to give me this advice, for example? So um, when you've worked so hard for something like you have, and I'm sure many that are watching this out there, people need to hear your story. People need to hear um, your experiences. And that's not bragging. Is that as long as there's obviously you're solving a problem with a solution? Sharing. Yeah. I mean, it can be, can be part of that, but you can be inspiring somebody else. No matter what your challenges have been or where you've been, be, what been through. Um, some of us might have disabilities. Some of us might've come from very poor backgrounds where, you know, money was, was a struggle within the family. Some of us might've come from backgrounds of, abusiveness some of us come of, come from tough upbringings those are things that can help and in, in, inspire others to to say you know what if he or she can get through it i can get through it well that's what i'm trying to do more and more and people are saying oh that's empowering it's like well how i see it not really that's just storytelling <laughs> it's, it's coming back to your point in terms of, there's a problem i've encountered it as well Here's the salute. Here's my solution to the problem. Yeah, I mean, I work with um, athletes of disabilities as well. I, I, I worked with the U.S. Um, soccer Paralympic team. Um, I still do a lot of work for the the U.S. Uh, United States Tennis Association and the wheelchair chair, chair players. I actually just came back from a camp that we had up in Orlando 
uh, Florida two weeks ago, I think it was, just when I got back from Europe. And they also talk about that as well, James, and you can probably relate here, is that a lot of them get tired, um, the wheelchair athletes get tired of people saying, oh, you're so inspiring, oh, you're so this, oh, you're so empowering, so on and so forth. And I get it. But fact of the matter is, is that it doesn't matter if you're in a wheelchair or not or whatever, is that you have the ability to inspire others. And you now if someone says to you, wow, you inspire me or you've, you've, you, know, you empower me, say thank you. Because the person, the person means it. it. It's not meant to be um, anything else, but really like saying, you know what, you've really like lit a, lit a fire inside of me or you've made me like think about my own life or you've made me think about my own actions and, and behaviors. So when anyone, anybody says that, you know, you empower me, you inspire me, um, I love watching you compete, what you do really like, whatever, then, you know, say thank you because they, they do mean it. Is that because of obviously years and years of repetition and hearing it from, you know, it's a sense of pityness or sympathy that we hear it from? Yes, 100%, James, 100%. Um, and I can, I, can, I can understand 100% how... Um, you would feel about that where, like you said, it just sounds like a pity thing and so on and so forth. But, you know, if you just change your, 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 your mindset and change your thinking into how you receive that information, realize that you really are inspiring them and, and that they, you know, um, you really are lighting something inside of themselves that's making them question themselves, making them question their lives, making, question, making them question their efforts in life, their attitude in life. Um, but, you know, for me, inspiration can come from everywhere, James. It doesn't matter if you're in your wheelchair or um, whatever it may be. It's the bottom line for me is what adversity have you overcome or are you overcoming right now? Um, and, and how are you handling that? That is inspiration, regardless what your circumstances have been addiction, abuse, um, poverty, whatever it may be. Well, I'll be brutally honest with people. I'll get my, motiv- not necessarily motivation, but be it uh, ideas and for content from via watching TV. Uh, obviously, uh, be it, you know, coaching within de- sport, uh, sport development, within self-development, should I say, sorry, will say you need to stop watching TV to be able to be more productive, be a little bit better rounded person. I, I used to believe in that. It's like, well... If I wanted to take a little bit of time, and I'll call it my me time, to be able mm-hmm. to relax at the end of the day, I think a lot of people, athletes, some probably included, won't put the importance on rest and recovery. Mm. But if I can learn something from, be it um, a series or something like that, so a lot of them be it like like police dramas. It's like it will come up with little anecdotes in terms of like psychology thinking, well, I've never thought of it from that basis. Let me go and actually look to see if it's completely accurate because TV yeah. is very good at manipulating yeah, yeah. things. Like, well, okay. They spun it to a certain extent from my background. It's like, well, that's technically not true. Let mm-hmm. me give some context to be it my audience as well. Uh, I think the news did it as well. Um, trying not to go off on a tangent here. Uh, with the run-up to the, to the Rugby World Cup, we're talking about hydration. 
So right. I put that into context for be it because it was either the BBC or ITV. I was thinking, well, they'd have spoken to be it somebody within authority within that team to ask why they're doing it. And then they cut the story short. I'm thinking, well, you're not giving all the facts. You've just said they're basing uh, hydration on weight. So mm-hmm. I gave it a little bit, well, this is the reason why. Mm-hmm. This is the background from where I'm coming from as the athlete. And this is why they're looking to give you the weight and why water yeah. is quote unquote weighed in the measurement of kilograms, pounds, as opposed to be a, um, a metric weight of, uh, of liquid. So, mm. so I think it, I'd call it lazy journalism, but it was one of those. It's like, it, well, it, obviously, it obviously they, they want to bring out the highlights in that piece. They obviously have a limited amount of space in the, in the publication or they have a limited amount of space on their, on their video editing. So they have to cut out some of the things. And, you know, you're a guy or who's in the know, who, who, who's seen everything from both sides. Uh, you know, like I have fortunately and being very blessed to do that as well, where you're like, Oh, well, like you just said, they're not, well, they didn't show that and that, which is really the reality of what really goes on here. For example, um, you know, there's obviously the other side of sport as well. And, you know, I was visiting a a um, football team or soccer team, as we say here in the, in the United States, professional in, in Europe. And you see the other side of sports where there's the drug testing and there's all the, the little bottles of urine and, and everything in the background. And there's that other yeah, side that obviously mess, doesn't. I don't, I don't mess those. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's that other side of the non-glamorous side of, of, of sports, for example. Um, but that's the reality, you know, because if you want to really see that stuff, you have to watch documentaries or you have to go looking for that type of stuff. It's not something they're going to show really that's exciting at seven o'clock on primetime TV, you know? Well, I think my last doping test and I'm not, I'm okay with sharing this, uh, was I think the last day that I was on one of the funded programs. So I was expecting to be, to be drug tested. (laughs) I'm thinking, so, so I was still at university as well. And I had them go to the front office of, of the accommodation. So they'd ring me up. I was up anyway. Cause, so they are at the university. Are you awake? It's like, yeah, I'm going for a competition. What time was that? Do you remember? I think like 6, 6.30 in the yeah. morning on a Saturday. Be, they're, they're vampires. They seem to arrive at um, before the sun's up, right? Oh, no, that's the time I'd pick, though. Because then I knew exactly be... But there has to be some unfortunate circumstance that I'm not where I'm meant to be at six o'clock in the morning any day. You're getting, you're getting me yawning talking about six o'clock in the morning here, by the way. So excuse me for that. <laughs> but it's one of those. It's, it's, it, it's part and parcel, like you said, of, of, of sport that people don't yeah, see. want to know about, don't care. It generally only comes up when it's to do with a doping offense that generally that, that pops it, raises its head and kind of people will say, well, this is what's bad with sport, but there's countless hundreds of thousands of athletes that toe the line and, and stay clean. So when I had to ever tick that form as you are right with it being stored on ice for, I think 10 years, I think mine's coming up to that actual test to, to be that it's no longer, they can utilize it. By all means, if if I ever did come back pos- positive, it's like, well, that's my fault. That's, I'm putting in, I put whatever I put, I put it in my body. So to pass the blame, I was taught that from 
I don't know, 14, 15 years old. It's mm. your fault. It's, you can't mm. blame anybody else. Taking you, ownership the, for, for what you put, consume and yeah. And, and you know what? That's not just what you consume orally, but consume, you know, mentally as well. You know, the things that you surround yourselves with, the people you surround yourself with, the things you watch, listen to, all these things and the people you follow, especially on social media, all these things influence who you become, right, James? I mean, uh, you know, we see more suicides than ever with, with teenage, uh, teenagers, especially girls, because we're in this era now of Instagram and highlight reels and everybody looks gorgeous and everybody's living an unbelievable life. Everybody's on a boat. Everybody has whatever. And it's just not real. It is just not real. And it's giving people a false perception of what life should be. And, you know, I've, I, when I speak at colleges here in the United States, the, the, the age group is usually 18 to 22. That's really one area I go into is, you know, don't compare yourself to others. Everybody's journey is different. Um, learn from other people's journey for sure, but don't compare yourself. And also just watch and guard who you um, follow on, on social media. But that's probably become more and more difficult. And there was actually somebody who was saying to me to use social media for, for actually empowerment of themselves, obviously to, to share their story, uh, to show the adversity that they've overcome. I do it to some extent. I'm not comparing. I could but that's different. That's different. What I'm saying is a, a platform where everything is Photoshopped. Everything is not what it really is. They're not showing you the other 90% of their life of what it really is like. You know what I mean? They're um, standing in front of a, a yeah, nice how, car. Or, yeah, but how, you know, how bad must their life be if they have to obviously show the, the, the perfectionism to, okay, quote-unquote, compete? That generally, impress. Not, it's, not relate, it's not relatable because when things all talk about, you know, the flashy car, nice boat – I obviously know that's fake. It's like, you're not selling anything to me. I don't want that stuff. So it's not going to, it's not going to seduce me in any way or form. Yeah. But I, and I agree. I mean, but you know, when you're a teenager or when you're very, very much younger, where you're more ego driven, I would say in early twenties as well, you know, you start to think to yourself, like what's wrong with me? You know, why, why is, why am I not on a boat? Why did I have a fancy car or, 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 you know, whatever it may be. So, you know, that's just the message is don't compare your, yourselves to others and also just guard who you follow yourself on, on social media. Um, I just try and surround myself with positivity and things that can help me grow and learn. Uh, interesting people, interesting ideas, inspiration, uh, all these things. You know, that's the things that I follow. And that's been a part of my process of becoming and working on becoming a, a better person is guarding what I watch and follow and listen to and the people I surround myself with. But then don't you think Alistair, that athletes should kind of look at their own lives from the, the sporting sense. Well, what did you have to do to get from whatever sports like fundamental, the, the bottom of the rung to get where you are now, obviously hard work. So if, if, if you kind of put that in the sense of social media, a lot of the stuff is manipulated, is bought. It's like, well, that's not work. That's you've 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 thrown money at it to solve a problem. It's like you've not tried to find a resolution or a solution to 
overcome this um, disparity mm-hmm. in in uh, what well, I call tribe mentality in terms of people following you. you yeah. You've cheated. You've you you you've got you you've thrown cash at it, and that generally does that. In any solution, you generally do that to try and mask over something. Yeah, I mean, like you said, throw cash at it. It's also you know devote your time to it. You know, your priorities, your priorities will always come down to where your time goes. So, you know, that's another important one to think about as well as where your time goes. That's where your priorities are. That's what matters most to you. Hopefully it's a positive, it's a positive thing. You know, it's like, and obviously what you talk about thoughtfulness in terms of if somebody likes my content, Instagram is a little bit more difficult to do because it doesn't notify them if they're not following you. I'll send a thank you. It's like, I appreciate you going out your way to like my content. Cause you don't have to do that. Obviously yeah. you've, you've seen some uh, relatability as to why you've liked it. Obviously I don't yeah. know what that is, but that's something I can learn by getting to know you. But that, that coming back to the point that you, you raised in terms of thoughts, it's, 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 it's an action that happens I'm not say automatically, but it's instinctful. It's like, well, you've done this. I must say thank you for it. Sure. It is good to give gratitude. And I try to do my best with that because um, over three platforms, I have over a hundred and hundred and something thousand followers, which I'm, I'm most grateful for. And sometimes it's completely impossible to obviously thank um, even a quarter of those, but you know, otherwise I'd just be sitting on my phone the whole, the whole day long saying, thank you, thank you, thank you. But, you know, I try to do my best and, and randomly, you know, will you know, someone like, for example, on Twitter this morning said, thank you, your quotes inspire me. And, you know, I said, Hey, thanks a lot. Happy Thanksgiving because it's Thanksgiving day here today in, in, in the United States. So, yeah, I mean, like you, like you just said there now, being grateful that someone has the time to follow you or want to be interested in you. Let's not take that for granted. I don't take one single person for granted like that. So let me, let me ask you this, James. And, and, you know, we all know that social media can be toxic in ways as well. But have you ever had um, abuse or hate mail or things on social media? directed towards you uh it hadn't it hadn't reared its head for a while i did yesterday but i kind of put it i put it into context because it was like um i'm gonna paraphrase it because i can't remember what exactly he said he said oh i thought you did this out of the gracious of your heart instead of making money off it so i kind of i kind of like well is that in related to the content i put out there or be it i set up a uh, a fundraising page for Movember as well, or is it related to that? So I'll give you a little bit of, I'm not going to go steaming and go like a bull in a, in a China shop and kind of go on the, on the, on the aggressive and kind of be on the defensive. Well, what, why, why are you questioning me in terms of that? But I just left it. Yeah. I'm kind of, well, that's your opinion. I don't know where it's based on. So you didn't reply. No. Cause, best cause, way, best way to do it. Because I think it's, you're never, and it's more, I think families kind of said to me, you can't change a person's opinion. Be, I, I think somebody wasn't in agreement of a video I did months ago, kind of looking at it from which is, which is worse, uh, overconfidence or arrogance. And, I, and he's an older gentleman and I know him. So it's like, 
he's got no problem with overconfidence, but he doesn't like arrogance. But it's, I think it's, I couldn't get him to see my side of the argument because how I've described it. So that's on the onus is on me, and I, and family would kind of say we can't change his opinion on what what he thinks because oh. he's he's going to be stubborn and set in his ways. Like, okay, I want to, but I can see your side of the argument in terms of it be it fruitless and it's pointless. It's like that person doesn't want to change. And until they yeah. probably come around and, and, and see themselves changing. Let me ask you this. The same person that did that, have they ever sent you another message to say, hey, great job with this, or hey, I really love what you're doing with that? What, in terms of the video? Uh, oh, this person that, that was able to, you know, to... to... No, no. So it's, it's one of those things exactly. I've got... I've, I've got um, I think that's what it helps with running a business. It's like, well, yeah, let's red flag this one. We don't need to have a conversation. Let, let me, yeah, let me just give some advice to listeners out there because, I, like I said, I have over 100,000, um, which is not a lot compared to some people out there, but um, is don't be afraid to block, delete, ban people from your social media. Don't get into discussions. You're not going to win them. People that are out there to criticize you and there's, there's a difference between feedback and criticism, of course, you know, but that's why I said to you, has this person ever encouraged you or have they ever like said, great, I, no, those are the people that are the key, keyboard cowboys. They're sitting there and they're, they hate their life. <laughs> they hate their own life and they're just saying, who can I, who can I bring down next? Who can I bring down next with, with, with me? And that's what they aim to do. And they want your attention. They want your response. And the best thing to do to these people is not give them a response. Red flag, ban, delete. I had like, so probably four or five years ago, James, I, I would never retaliate. And that's the worst thing to do. Retaliate with negativity or, or something. Don't do that. Because that just goes against your reputation and your character. Don't do that. Because those, those are the things what people will call you out for. I can vividly remember people that I probably once followed, but then I see them in a heated discussion on Twitter with somebody else, and it's become personal. And you know what? I lose respect for that person. I'm like, okay, I'm not gonna, I, I thought this person was someone else, or I'm not going to follow them anymore. One, one small little mistake that can, can ruin your reputation of getting into a heated argument or, or being personal, for example. But my message is don't be afraid to just Block, ban, delete. Here's the funny thing is that an hour or two after you've done it, you can't even remember the person's name probably or whatever. And they're like, they're nothing. They're nothing. And then just don't get into those discussions with those people. It's the greatest waste of your time. Well, I could probably go one step further as well. So it's, it's going to make you angry and irritable but in terms of you're going to probably see red, see red making it in. <laughs> In the, in the initial reaction like you're talking about and then who's going to regret it you because like yeah, oh and what, a, and what a waste of time and you know what they've won because you 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 responded that's all they want is they want to see you respond and they want to see you respond in a negative way where they're going got him you know so well done just delete block ban hello goodbye so let me let me ask you a penultimate question and end on a more positive note then uh, if you had to speak to or sit down with any athlete, dead or alive, who would that be? Ooh, I have never had that question. 
Um, forgive me for my um, forgetfulnesses. Was it Jesse Owens that was on the podium with the the glove? Was it Jesse Owens? No, remember, I know who you're talking about, but I can't. I can't think of that, and, that, and that's very historical. Are you talking about Mexico City then? That, that, in terms of that, that Olympic, that's not Jesse Owens. I can't think of his name. Either. It was with yeah. It was um, with the two black gentlemen with with the, the glove on, and then I think there was another athlete. But I'd love to speak to them because the courage, um, the world stage to do that on something very controversial. So it would, and, and I'm sorry, it, it's just flipped my mind or, or who, who it was, but I'll, I'll have a look after this, of course. But that would be one person. I think there was two, two that did it. Um, who else did or alive? Um, you know, I'd, I'd like to probably meet and this is, might be sound very weird, but Lance Armstrong, um, fascinating story. Everybody's got their opinion. I have mine. Uh, I think he was a phenomenal athlete, just, just despite the circumstances, because you know I, I really believe that most were, were on the same playing field, but just a phenomenal, phenomenal athlete. His, his mind, yes, I don't agree with everything he did, and but just amazing. Um, I've got a few actually. Michael Schumacher. I think obviously it's it's a real shame what's happened there. We haven't heard anything about him for years. But what a uh, what a what an athlete! Another one who pioneered a sport, who made Ferrari a temperamental car into a championship car. I think that's one. Francois Pinot, the the '95 Rugby World Cup captain during the times of when Nelson Mandela was released from prison in South Africa. I was in South Africa at that time. So I lived through that. So those are probably some that that I'd really like to have a sit down and have a, a lunch with or a, or a coffee. And my final question to you today, then Alistair. Actually, one more, one more. Uh, sorry, James. Um, Esther Fagir, the Dutch um, tennis player, uh, wheelchair tennis player, she's she has the world record if i'm if i'm not wrong for the most winning matches out of all players and sports that's that's paralympics and olympics um the mindset of that the mentality of that i think it's something ridiculous like over 500 unbeaten matches or something uh she only retired about three years ago i think and now she's doing a lot for wheelchair tennis and um, now these days, but the, the, the mentality of that to pitch up for, for 10 years and be unbeaten um, day after day. And she had some matches where she had match points against her. And, you know, so she almost lost some, some matches, but she didn't. And, and yeah, that's phenomenal. Phenomenal. So my final question to you, Alistair, before we wrap up the show is, if you had to summarize what we've been speaking about today into one sentence for people to take away, what would that be? Find your purpose and live, live your life according to your rules. I think that would be it. Find your purpose, 
And as we know, as we spoke about James, your purpose is something far greater than yourself. And, and you know, live, live your life according to your rules. Hopefully they're, they're, they're good rules and they're positive rules. Yeah, that would be it. So once again, Alistair, thanks again for coming on the Mindset Athlete Podcast. James, it's been a pleasure. Um, thanks again for inviting me. I've really, really enjoyed this discussion. I hope the viewers will as well. I'm, I'm sure they will. And, uh, you know, if anybody wants to reach out to me, feel free. I'm on Twitter at Alistair McCaw, um, which is my, my main one on Instagram, Be Champion Minded. And uh, Facebook, Alistair McCall page. But anyone's got a question, I always do my best to, to try and get around to it. So, and uh, yeah, but thanks for all you do, James. Again, thanks for inviting me and thanks for your patience. Oh, it's been my absolute pleasure. Awesome. Thank you. If you like this episode, please do share it with your friends and do let Alistair and I know what you thought of the episode by tagging us over on Instagram at BeChampionMinded and at James O. Roberts 11, and that is the number 11. And you can do the same on Twitter and Facebook. And if you had any questions, don't hesitate to shoot those over as well. And finally, don't forget to check out his podcast, Champion Minded, on iTunes and YouTube. And as always, do check out my free content at fitamputee.co.uk and click on the tab Resources. But not forgetting, I've also started a new Facebook group, especially for this podcast, which you can find on Facebook by typing The Mindset Athlete. So make sure to check those out. The links will be in the description. You can find all the show notes at mindsetgame.lipson.com under the category Psychology. So once again, thanks for listening, and I'll catch you next week for another episode of The Mindset Athlete Podcast.